0: Hi, I'm Bailey. Hi, I'm Charles. And you're listening to Hold Me, I'm Scared. (laughs) Welcome back to Hold
1: Me, I'm Scared, where once a week, both Bailey and I pick out something spooky and decide to explore it. This week, we are talking... About stalkers. Ooh. Actually, okay, I'm not going to lie, like, that is a pretty real and scary thing. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, obviously, probably not good, especially as a woman in the world.
0: Yeah. Yes, it definitely is one of the more serious topics that we've covered and a very real fear for a lot of people. Yeah, also,
1: I I just want to mention that I was sick, which is why we didn't record the last time. So if I'm randomly coughing here and there, I'm not going to be able, well, actually, I don't care to, um, delete and (laughs) silence every single cough that I have. So um, you may hear them once in a while, but that's what keeps us real, you know?
0: mm Yeah, we definitely did not intend to take last week off, but somebody lost his voice and could not record. Yeah,
1: it was real low. sounded real mask. I was real into it. I felt very...
0: Then we should have recorded. You told me you didn't have a voice at all. What do you mean you just had a sexy voice? Why did you lie?
1: I, well, no, there was a day that I had like a really deep voice and there was a day that I didn't really have a voice at all. And then I didn't talk for two days after that.
0: That's weird. That's suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so since this is a pretty... Well,
1: hang on. I also... (laughs) I just wanted to... I wanted you to continue your thoughts. Bailey and I were having a quick chat while we had technical problems. Um, But she mentioned that she finally saw the movie Cats. And I wanted to hear her weigh in on it. Okay,
0: well, I was not even remotely close to sober. So, um, we played a drinking game, and one of the, like, prompts to drink was when you don't understand, like, the size of the cats, or, like, the scale of the cats to their environment. So we were pretty much just chugging the entire movie. (laughs) (laughs) Like, every ten seconds, one of us would go, what size are these cats? Yeah, it was a nightmare, dude. Like, even, I'm a very happy drunk uh, and even in, like, a really, like, chill, happy state, I was just horrified, if I'm being honest. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know neither of us enjoy either no. the Broadway musical or the new adaptation of the movie, just because Cats is a plotless, sad piece of art.
0: Is it sad? I- I,
1: it's sad... When she sings that one song, when Grisabella sings that memory song.
0: Well, but like it's a sad song, but I don't know if it's like sad because there's virtually no context.
1: Yeah, I just meant sad as in like tasteless art,
0: pathetic. Yeah,
1: sad as in pathetic. Yeah. Um, Useless, some might say.
0: Somebody send this to Andrew Lloyd Webber. (laughs) Wait, is that Andrew Lloyd Webber? Okay, yeah. Somebody send this to Andrew Lloyd.
1: And I don't get it. How you can make such something so good as Phantom of the Opera and then make Cats. I guess, I mean, look. Nothing. Uh, we're bound to have wins and losses. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand how Cats was accepted as a win when clearly it's a loss. What do you think
0: is the Cats of your life? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: my own poverty? I
0: <laughs> Just being poor. <laughs> uh, okay, so I used to work... I, and at one time, was a professional performer, and I used to work with someone who knew people who were in, um, like, a Broadway production of Cats. So, one day, all of the performers get to the theater, and I guess the director was like, so we have hidden your tails <laughs> throughout the theater, and you must find them by scent. They had to sniff out their teeth. I am
1: horrified. I hate when people, you know, this, we've been in productions where people make it out to be like something way more glamorous and important than it really is. And sometimes you're like, this is just like, we're just pretending to be other people on a stage yeah I feel like we shouldn't care this much
0: yes I I do think acting can be a a very theater is a very serious art people put a lot of time and dedication into it and I do think it has value uh but anytime someone wants me to do 10 minutes of warm-up exercises I I wish I were dead (laughs) because it's like, why, though? <laughs> like, uh, not even for a musical. There's only
1: so much zip zaps up zap yeah. that I can accept.
0: Zip-zap-off-myself. No, that wasn't good. Zop-myself? <laughs> <laughs> Zip-zap-zop-myself? Zip, um, that yeah. game just
1: gives me anxiety. I
0: I don't like being an adult and being forced to play group games. <laughs> Especially if it's like... You're doing, like, a straight play. It's like, why do I need to warm up for this? Like, I know how to speak. Thank you. Can I please just sit in silence for the 10 minutes? Oh, and we, in our community college, we used to have to do, like, with, like, one of the directors there, we would have to do, like, 25 minutes of (laughs) warm-ups. Like, every show.
1: I know. And play these pointless games where he acted like it was... Uh, it's supposed to be fun or like... I don't know. We could... No, we're not getting into that. This is... This is not about our painful experiences through theater. Um, that is something I am scared about. But since you are pressed for time... yes. Um, I would like to know what you're afraid of today.
0: Um, okay, so I let... Or recently. I... Oh. Um, well, like, there's some stuff... Uh, there's some stuff going on, but I don't want to share it, uh, yet.
1: So don't.
0: Like, I definitely will overshare with everyone who, li- who listens to this podcast, uh, but I'm not going to share it yet. But that's, like, what's predominantly on my mind, and you know what's going on. Um, I'm fine. I'm just in a, in a, in a, in a, in a limbo. Um, something, like, really trivial, I left my headphones at work today, and i I sleep with my headphones, and my backup pair is broken. So I'm, like, a little concerned that I won't be able to sleep tonight. But I am exhausted, so I think that'll work in my favor.
1: Mm -hmm. And you do have neighbors who continue to play music at very loud volumes throughout the entire day and into the quiet hours of the night. Um,
0: Wait, did I tell you about how I, I went to the front desk and I... Like, they thought I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown.
1: (laughs) Well, they probably thought correctly because I'm sure that you were.
0: I, like, walked up to them and I was like, I look, I know I look like an insane person. Um, I haven't slept in three days because my neighbors are playing music so loud at all hours of the day and night. And I just need you to help me. (laughs) I was like, please help me. And I was like, I had tears in my eyes. Did they help you? Yeah. He uh, gave me the address of, like, our management company and told me to go there face-to-face. And he's like, if they look into your crazy eyes, they'll help you, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, Did you go? Well, no, because it stopped. Uh, like, I think, okay, so what I didn't mention is that while I was having this conversation with the front desk, my neighbor's boyfriend walked by and saw me, like... I probably looked, like, insane. Like, I, I genuinely did not get more than three hours of sleep a night for three nights in a row. And I had no moment of quiet in my own home for three days in a row. Um, like, they, my neighbor would leave her apartment and just leave music playing at, like, full volume. I would have my headphones in listening to my own music and would hear every lyric of her music over my own music. That was in my Your balls. Um, So I I don't know if maybe like he walked by and saw that I was um, close to snapping (laughs) and was afraid (laughs) or empathetic, but it did stop at least briefly and I have had a few moments of peace and I'm just hoping that it lasts. I did say to the front desk guy, and we can cut this out if it's in poor taste i mean it is in poor taste but if we decide it's in too poor of a taste but i go all right so um it's not going to be your fault but if this doesn't stop i'm going to jump off the roof (laughs) oh my god
1: no that's funny i'll leave that in that's
0: hilarious and then i was like i'm just kidding i'm not really going to but (laughs) that was also my opening (sighs) line I had never talked to that man before. And I walked into the front desk and I was like, I feel like I'm part of a psychological experiment. And if it doesn't stop, it will not be your fault, but I will jump off the roof of this building. <laughs>
1: really? Not the opening you gotta, line.
0: You gotta start with an attention grabber so they know you're serious. <laughs> I'm mad that we're already
1: experiencing such a lag. Um, but you did ask me. Yes, what are you afraid what of? I might be afraid mm-hmm. of. Um, I uh, Oh. Oh. Um I'm sure that this will not happen, but I did order a I allowed myself to order a little 3-piece mystery box from House Laboratories Lady Gaga's makeup company and I'm afraid that I won't like the products. Mm. But I'm like, I I know that that's impossible because Lady Gaga had something to do with them. You know, we're just, we're hoping for the best.
0: Charles, you have the wrapper from the Lady Gaga Oreo framed on your wall. So I think it'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) It
1: is a collector's edition.
0: It's an Oreo package.
1: (laughs) I love Oreos and Lady Gaga. Don't rob my joy.
0: Look, you know... Whatever keeps you going in these trying times, even if it is stupid. So I have some facts and figures to get us started. <laughs> and that brings us into the facts and figures section. Okay, um, so my sources for facts and figures were Spark, which is an organization. And uh, Spark stands for Stalking Prevention Awareness and Resource Center. Uh, And also the U.S. Department of Justice. Most of these facet figures are pulled directly from the Spark stalking fact sheet, which is available on their website. Uh, So according to the U.S. Department of Justice, stalking is defined as, quote, engaging in a course of conduct directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to fear for his or her safety or the safety of others or suffer substantial emotional distress, end quote. Um, Spark. States that stalkers use a variety of tactics, including but not limited to unwanted contact, including phone calls, texts and contact via social media, unwanted gifts, showing up uh, and approaching an individual or their family and friends, monitoring, surveillance, property damage and threats. Uh, Stalking and harassment are not the same thing, but they are similar and they can overlap. So harassment can be a part of a stalking pattern of behavior, uh, but generally the element of fear is what separates stalking from harassment. So harassment is like annoying, right? It's like unwanted contact, it's irritating and bothersome, but it doesn't necessarily make you fear for your life or your safety. Stalking is a repeated pattern of behavior that causes you fear. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And uh, I think probably dependent on, like, harassment over, like, a repeated behavior along with some other things like like you said that goes like hand in hand with stalking usually they're very very closely related with each yeah, other so it's the
0: element of fear that separates them when it comes to like legal terminology um, an estimated 6 to 7.5 million people are stalked every year in the United States um, that is ne- I'm sorry did you say 6
1: say that number six again 6
0: to 7.5 million people
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. And it's nearly... um, So nearly one in six women and one in 17 men have experienced stalking victimization at some point in their lifetime. That's, like, a lot.
1: It's a lot. And, of course, it's always heavy on the woman's side.
0: Yeah. So about half of all victims of stalking indicated that they were stalked before the age of 25. Um, Two-thirds of stalkers pursue their victims at least once per week, and many pursue their victims daily and use more than one method of contact. In fact, 78% of stalkers use more than one means of approaching their victims, so like phone calls and showing up in person and social media, things like that. Um, So weapons are used to harm or threaten victims in one out of five cases. Which is a pretty high number. And almost one third of stalkers have stalked before. So it does seem like it's it tends to be uh, pretty common for, for stalkers to become repeat offenders. Um, so intimate partner stalkers are the ones that most frequently actually like approach their targets and their behaviors tend to escalate quickly. So some resources for those experiencing stalking are stalkingawareness.org, that's Spark's website, the National Sexual Assault Hotline, which is 800-656-HOPE, uh, the Network Slash Red LGBTQ Hotline at 800 932 one nine zero one. The Love is Respect Hotline, which is for teens and young adults, at one eight six six three three one nine four seven four. And these will also be available in the show notes of this episode if you or someone you know is suffering from stalking. And more resources can also be found through Spark's website, which again is stalkingawareness.org. And those are my facts and figures.
1: Wow. I'm glad you included that because I was like, oh, should I include that? And I was like, maybe Bailey will. Like, I really feel like Bailey will. And I then did. And you did. So that is really good. And I'm glad that you did that because as common as it is, I'm sure that information will be helpful to somebody, yes. sadly. Like
0: we, we don't um, have a, a, you know, we're not a famous podcast yet, but we do have <laughs> At least six women who listen to this podcast. Uh, And so it says that nearly one in six women have experienced stalking. So in case it's one of you, there are resources available to help you.
1: So uh, speaking of help and getting help and maybe not getting help, (laughs) Um, my story is first this week. Um, But first, I actually prepared a would-you-rather. Are you surprised? I
0: am. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised.
1: So, I hope it's not too complicated, but (laughs) would-you-rather there be someone you don't know, who's never going to hurt you, they've never talked to you, they're not going to impede your life in any way, but they keep an egregious shrine to you, take pictures without your consent, and document almost everywhere you went and had your schedule down to a science. Or, would you rather someone you loved and know is constantly trying to vie for your attention and time, is a little too obsessed with everything you do and say, and they often ride the fence of almost breaking your personal boundaries?
0: So, Charles, yes, I would rather be friends with you.
1: <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Um, <clears throat> Correct.
0: <laughs> no. Uh, Okay. Um, look, okay, this is sick, right? But, like, there is something kind of flattering about a stranger keeping a shrine to me.
1: Okay, I agree. (laughs) Because that leads me into what I wrote next. So, I wanted to share both stories from people I idolize and ones that I just found scary from not-celebrities, um, but the first initial thought I have of stalking is probably sick, like Bailey said, and not a good initial thought to have because sometimes I think if there was someone who was like obsessed with everything I thought or did, initially, I would be like kind of flattered, yeah, and that's probably from years of like lacking self esteem,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but and like if you think on it, like a lower level of admiration. Is very I don't know I like it Um, but then if you like kind of let reality slip back into place and put that perspective back into your face um, there's not really a boundary and I started thinking like you know a fan for instance of a celebrity might think I love their work and personality and thoughts and you know I might ask if I can spend time with them or ask for a special privilege with, or I might even be too nervous to even approach them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would never like follow them or break their personal boundaries, but it changes into a different thing to where they're like stalkers are different because oftentimes they form relationships that don't exist mm-hmm. and they assume that you just want to see them, and most oftentimes they pursue you even after you set boundaries down. Yeah, so... And that's a scary real thing that happens. Yeah, so
0: I have not been stalked, but I have been harassed um, by someone that, and it literally lasted over a period of years. Um, And I would block this person on social media, and they would make new accounts to find me. Um, They would constantly message me. Sometimes they would message me, like, being really nice, and like, it would be a very like normal interaction like hey how are you like I've gotten they were dealing with a lot of stuff personally and they'd be like hey I've gotten help and I just want to reach out and apologize to you and I'd be like oh well you like okay you weren't in your right state of mind Um, like how have you been and then the next thing I know they're making like really aggressive sexual comments or then flipping on me and getting really angry at me and they they he, this person did create like a whole narrative in in their mind of like who I was and over the years oh, wait.
1: I know who you're talking about don't I yeah I can believe it out but is it
0: yeah. yeah yeah it is and they did create this whole narrative like of like cause we knew each other we met each other um and we knew each other in person for like a period of months and I moved away and like cut contact um after like, repeated, like, sexual advances that I was not interested in and, and like, contact that I was not interested in, I, I would repeatedly state my boundaries and they would be ignored. And then, um, like I said, as they kept creating these accounts and, like, finding me, they had created this narrative in their head over, like, who I'd grown to be in the period of years that I hadn't seen them in person. And, like, they just, like, completely idolized me and imagined me to be like their like dream girl and I, I was nothing like the person that they imagined me to be and it what it like it's always flattering when someone has a crush on you even if it's someone you're not interested in the, like it is it's always flattering um but, when it's like a crush but it does get to a point like when someone when there is like unwanted contact when someone doesn't respect you respect your boundaries like it is not exciting or flattering anymore it's at best irritating and uncomfortable and at worst like scare like scary um and disgusting and violating so i don't want
1: (laughs) for life-threatening
0: yeah, and I, I – so I don't want when we say, like, oh, like, some, like, small part of me would be, like, kind of flattered if someone had a shrine to me. Like, I don't want that to come across – like, we don't understand the the seriousness of this or that, like – we, n- no one thinks anyone wants this, right? <laughs> like, because – in like in fantasy land where we can say like in our would you rather is like oh but this person will never contact you and will never hurt you but there's just a person out there who thinks you're like amazing and like praised you or whatever like that's that's like kind of flattering like weird in our fantasy land but in a world in which like people will contact you or try to find you or scare you or like say things to you that you definitely don't want to hear it is no longer flattering or fun or funny it's like it's It's really awful, so
1: yeah. That's my tangent. Yeah, we totally understand the gravity of it for sure. Um, But I don't know. With that person that you mentioned beforehand, I would, I would put that into cyber stalking. I would say that goes a little bit beyond harassment, especially because of repeated advances to find you through like multiple accounts. Yeah. I and like it is kind of. Fear instilling, I would call that cyber stalking, but I mean,
0: maybe I was just confident that like I could beat them in physical combat, so I wasn't afraid.
1: I'm sure you could, they were Thanks. a lanky noodle of a person, but honestly, who knows? In the years that we haven't seen them, they might have only been eating iron pills and lifting yeah. weights. So, well, and the um, cyber
0: stalking it did end a couple years ago, so I genuinely like. Despite the fact that I really hated what happened and it was very uncomfortable and at times like disgusting and at times scary, I do genuinely hope this person has gotten help and gets better too. Just wanted to say that.
1: Yeah. I-, I I haven't been stalked, but I have like I had like a similar cyber harassment from this dude who just found me on Facebook and thought I was cute and then would talk to me and, like, try to get me to meet with them. And I'd be like, no, like, it's just not, like, I just don't think we'd work out. And they would still try to talk to me. And they were really nice to me most of the time. But then sometimes the conversation would turn really sour. And then when I, sometimes we would have these arguments and eventually ended with them being like, you know what, you're probably, it was very, like, a sour grapes Aesop Aesop fable kind of thing like they wanted me and they wanted me and they wanted me until they couldn't get me and then they were like well I didn't want those grapes anyway like you're probably yeah. an awful person and whatever whatever and I'm like okay block goodbye um,
0: and they were right you are an awful person but it's not because right and yeah
1: they were <laughs> and you were right too like the person who cyber stalked you they they idolized you and thought you were this amazing person but we all know They're also wrong. (laughs) That's not you. And that's not me either. Um, But somebody who I think is probably a really great person and grapes that are just some of the best grapes um, is Taylor Swift. And so I first wanted to talk about her. And if you don't know who she is, I don't know how you couldn't, but she's a very famous singer internationally. She has a huge fan base and... It's comprised of thousands of people. Um, unfortunately, though, with fame comes a negative side. And over her career, she has had a lot of stalkers. Now, I do have a lot of sources. And I'm going to list them kind of as I go along. For her, I have an article from Forbes that is called "Taylor Swift Stalker Arrested After Trying to Break Into Singer's Apartment," and two U.S. Today, art- USA Today articles. And um, also an article from L, and a site called popculture.com. So um, the most recent report was um, in the Forbes article that was in April of 2021. Um, a man, what, this is pretty much like copy and paste from the site. A man was arrested after reportedly trying to break into Taylor Swift's New York apartment over the weekend. Police said... That um, just months after another man was sentenced to 30 months in prison for stalking and threatening to kill her, Um, this man, Hank Johnsons, was arrested after trying to break into her apartment in Manhattan. Um, Yeah, he was sending messages to her Instagram account, and he was, like, showing her his restraining orders from, like, the models Bella and Gigi Hadid. Why... I don't know. I think that's really weird. Um, But yeah, she... So yeah, that was the most recent one that she had of somebody who is messaging her on Instagram and stalking her apartment in Manhattan. And then in a CBS uh, interview back in 2019, when she was doing her... Lover album, she was asked how she splits up her time between all of her residences in Nashville and New York and Rhode Island and London. And she said, and I quote, I try not to ever really say where I am since all my addresses are on the internet. And she said, she refers to like several recent cases of stalkers. She says, they're dudes that think we have an imaginary marriage. Um, And she mentions too that like due to being famous, the internet and magazines have released her addresses to the public so she never wants to mention where she is because she knows people know where she lives so they're going to come to her if she announces where she is which is so scary that you can't just feel like hey i'm here in london like if you want to like do a meet and greet or something like i don't know she's just too famous for that i guess um yeah. but she did write in 2019 this was actually really kind of sad, because I'm going to read a whole bunch of accounts of stockings that she had, but in 2019, she wrote kind of like an essay for Elle called, like, 30 Things She Learned Before Her 30s, and she wrote, um, My Biggest Fear is... After the Manchester Arena bombing and the Vegas concert shooting, I was completely terrified to go on tour this time because I didn't know how we were going to keep 3 million fans safe for over 7 months. There was a tremendous amount of planning, expense, and an effort to put into keeping my fans safe. My fear of violence has continued into my personal life. I carry quick-claw army-grade bandage dressing, which is for gunshot or stab wounds. And um, she mentions again the websites and... Uh, tabloids that have posted her addresses out to the public, and she says, you get enough stalkers trying to break into your house, and you kind of start prepping for bad things. Every day I try to remind myself of the good in the world, and the love I've witnessed, and the faith I have in humanity. We have to live bravely in order to truly feel alive, and that means not being ruled by our greatest fears, which is really kind of sad that she's been stalked so much, and um, that she feels like she has to carry around quick claw army grade bandage dressing, that's a lot, man. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know if you carry that around with you, Bailey. Um,
0: I don't carry that, but I have like personal safety stuff that I carry with me.
1: Maybe we should start doing that. Yeah, I have a pocket knife. That's it. <laughs> that's all I have, and these two fists. But in another article, I've had a lot of soccer show up to my house that are armed. So I have to think that way. Um, So now I'm going to read just a couple of cases of the stalkers that she has had. Police in Rhode Island arrested a man that they said visited her beachfront mansion. And he was carrying a backpack that had a baseball bat and items commonly used for burglaries. And I think this, yeah, the guy's name was David Page Little of Des Moines. He was arrested after residents reported a suspicious man at a boatyard near her home. And he told the police that he was looking to catch up with Taylor because he knew her personally and she had agreed to help his singing career. And the security guards at Swift's mansion told the police that they had seen him earlier outside the front gate. In 2018... Page Six reported that a 22-year-old Roger Alvardo from Florida allegedly broke into her three-story townhouse when um, the police got into her home. They found a ladder leading up to a broken window, and they also found him sleeping in one of her empty beds. Oh, I, I
0: hate that. I don't like that.
1: I know, I don't like that at all either. Um Bruce Rowley was arrested in Connecticut after he confessed to robbing a bank in April. Um, He then drove to Taylor Swift's home, threw some of the money over her fence, hoping he could win her over, and then told the police several times that he had a crush on Taylor Swift. He said he tried to get in contact with her, but she was not home, and he drove to her Rhode Island home, and they found him and chased him all the way back to Connecticut. Which, I'm like, you really think Taylor Swift is hurting for money?
0: Yeah. Now, I do want to be very clear. All of the other stuff mentioned, I don't want that. However, if you do want to throw money over my fence, I will take it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she will take it. And it it might not guarantee time with her,
0: Oh no, but she will take
1: it. And also, same. Now, this one I found the most troubling. And this was not quite the beginning of her career, but pretty early, too. This was in 2012. A man named Jacob Kolke was arrested outside of her Nashville home, and he was allegedly carrying a knife. However, weeks later, his attorney told E! News that the prosecutors decided against pressing charges and the case was dropped. His attorney said that Taylor Swift did not have any no trespassing signs outside of her home. And I was like... Mm -hmm. why should that matter if he's like just like stalking her house and she might not even be there like and he's like well she had no trespassing signs or she didn't have no trespassing signs i'm like who cares you shouldn't just be like sitting outside of someone's house just waiting for them to come out or whatever that's like yeah a given rule of society man
0: you also um, can't like stab someone and okay. then be like oh well they didn't have a no stabbing shirt <laughs> something's right it's safe so, to assume
1: they he also apparently said that taylor swift's guards told him that he could go to the house and they didn't see him as a threat and then the case was just kind of dropped after that
0: weird she needs I better guards
1: um I know, and I think she got them. That was in 2012. So, among those mentioned were eight other documented cases between 2013 and 2019 of men stalking Taylor Swift by sending letters to her record label at the time, emails to her dad, or claiming to have been texting or DMing Taylor directly. So, she deals with it a lot. It's kind of creepy, but I thought and it might be interesting to mention. Um, and she knows it's a thing, She and it's a big thing for her Um, And that's why she was very politically active about um, certain laws, like, in Nashville, um, and certain representatives, because some of them were trying to get rid of laws that basically just protected women against, like, even at, like, the lower level of, like, just somebody stalking them, and not just, like, sexual abuse. So she's like, I support, you know, I can't support this person, because, like, they don't even want to protect me and, like, other women who are being stalked. And, like, I am familiar with, like, the sexual abuse and, like, being stalked. There there
0: are a lot of, um, or in a lot of states, there are no, like, explicit stalking laws still.
1: Which is dumb, because it's such a prevalent thing. Yeah. (sighs) Um. So... That's all I have really on Taylor Swift. I'm surprised... Well, I'm actually not surprised that um, as recent as April 2021, she is still being stalked. Um, I get it. She's great. But, like, just leave people alone, okay? They don't want to... They don't want to deal with you. Like, it's... She just wants to live her normal, everyday life. Leave them alone. <laughs> um, so, I got this article, this next one, from UK And... I believe the person's perspective that we're getting this from is the writer of the article who is... um, Her name is Katie. But it never really explicitly says, like, hi, my name is Katie and this is my story. So, in the article, she...
0: But it's in first person? Yes.
1: So, I can only assume it's Katie. But even if it's not Katie, it's still a lot. So... In the article, she mentions the movie Say Anything, which is a very iconic 80s movie to most people, and there is this scene where John Cusack is waiting outside of his ex-lover's window with a boombox, and I think it's playing that song, Don't You Forget About Me, right? I've never seen no. that movie.
0: No. Nope, it's not.
1: I was <laughs> oh, <it's> not? was <laughs> it? Is, <laughs> is it not playing the, that?
0: That's the song from The Breakfast Club.
1: <laughs> oh, no, wait, yeah, that's, how, that's the one where the guy throws his fist up in the air. <laughs>
0: oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what he's playing on that boombox. I don't really care. But he, yeah, he's playing it out there because he wants her back. And it's cute, right? Well, not to Katie. Um She also recalls, or at least not to her anymore. Um She also recalls to something in her past that didn't strike a chord when she initially heard it. Her friend once told her the thing about romantic gestures is they're only romantic if you actually like the person. Otherwise, it's just weird.
0: That is, like, such a thing. I, like, because, okay. Also, it's, like, the thing of sometimes you'll watch, like, um, a rom-com or something, and you're, like, if this person was not hot, this would be terrifying. Right. Like.
1: Or even, like, to the point of I've noticed that some things that I say to my friends who are girls or, like, female coworkers, workers uh, I'll... I'll say these things just as a joke. And I'm like, if I weren't a gay man, this would be literally sexual harassment. And like, <laughs> I, because like, especially if you didn't want this attention and being like, Oh, you're so beautiful every day. Like coming up to hug you and like touch your hair and tell you how beautiful your makeup is. Like, I'm like, if I weren't me, this would be terrifying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, it is. It's like such a thing. It's, Uh, It's just, some like, you, okay, just, like, replace the lead from any rom-com with an ugly person, and it is a horror movie.
1: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I thought, when I read that, I was like, yeah, that's kind of true, man. Um, Actually, not kind of true, it just is. But she thought it was funny, and... after she had a six-month ordeal of being harassed and stalked by her ex, it took on a whole new meaning for her. So she had dated some dude for a few months, but after it wasn't working out, she called it off. And after that, um, he tried to get her back in ways that were pretty innocent, Um, but that didn't seem to last long. She mentions that There is this overused trope in cinema and books, just like in Say Anything, where we praise the man to pursue a woman that he loves, and, you know, through, like, any means necessary. Mm -hmm. But in reality, just like in the case of Alice Ruggles, it's not something to cheer for. Alice had told the police nine times that her ex was harassing her Mm -hmm. and leaving gifts at her doorstep and unwanted contact, and they didn't consider him a threat. But in 2016, she was killed by that very man she tried to get help to get away from. So, uh, Katie mentions parallels in her own experience. At first, like she said, pretty seemingly innocent things, like big bouquets of flowers delivered to her, and her co-workers would mention how nice and thoughtful that was. And, um, it was flattering to receive that kind of attention, and they only wish that somebody in their life would try that hard to get them to notice the other person. Yeah. Um, but she should not feel that way, especially when her phone was constantly blowing up with numerous messages from this ex explaining how the choices that she made and the relationship were invalid. And she said, and I quote, um newly created social media accounts followed me every time I blocked the last a torrent of text told me that I simply didn't know what I wanted and I had to stop listening to my friends and that he knew me better than they did better than I knew myself and my ability to decide who I wanted to be with was being taken away from me and it felt like power play of the worst kind and it quickly turned from that to him like threatening to end his life or kill himself if she didn't see him or spend time with him or talk to him and
0: she said i feel like i feel like when you're young stuff like this like you think that that is love you think like oh this person must love me so much they're going crazy with how much they love me but you do not manipulate someone that you love you do not disrespect the autonomy or the boundaries of someone that you love if you truly love someone and they do not wish to be a part of your life anymore you allow them to to do that uh out of like because love and respect go hand in hand and you can't have love without respect so at the point where someone is no longer listening to you respecting your boundaries respecting your autonomy as someone who can decide what you want and what you need like that is no longer love that's like possession right. that's manipulation that but but you don't you don't possess someone that you love you don't stop them from living their life the way that they want to live it uh yeah there's my soapbox for the episode
1: i liked it um i heard a weird sound outside um it's, it's my me soccer, but it's you <laughs> i knew it Um, But she said, too, like, you know, when you're younger, you kind of think that's love, too. But also, there's other twisted mindsets, too. She said, I felt endlessly guilty. I became Mm -hmm. convinced that I had driven my harasser to act the way that he did. And I was overreacting to his threatening behavior. So that's a real thing, too. I mean, especially somebody that you already know. Like, she's thinking, like, well, he's only doing this because of me. Like, I'm the one who ended it. So, yeah. Like everything he's doing is just kind of my fault, which is not true. Um, no,
0: and you are not held
1: responsible for people's actions,
0: no. And I think that happens in relationships all the time. Like, people take responsibility for their partner's feelings, um, and that's not your responsibility. And also, you know, people that people like, like ask their partner or like try to make their partner take responsibility for their feelings and it's one thing when like someone hurts you right to say like you hurt me what you did hurt me it's another thing to say like you're the reason i'm going to end my life or something like that do yeah yeah there are like you are responsible for your actions but you are not responsible for another person's feelings you can understand them you can support them you can care about them but at the end of the day like you are responsible for you and it's just healthier when everyone is taking responsibility for their own feelings and their own actions and it's yeah I think I don't know so it's just bleh, squicks me out I hate it I don't like um, it you, should, you yeah, shouldn't feel guilty I mean and
1: no she shouldn't and it's it's hard to because, look, you can try your best to hurt someone's feelings or tear someone down or make somebody happy or whatever. You can try in any way, but that it's not guaranteed what that person feels or does after that. That's not up to you. That's, we're just gonna say that to reiterate that.
0: It's, it's like one thing, like you cheated on your partner and they're hurt and they're like, you hurt me. And you can't be like, oh, well, I'm not taking responsibility for those feelings. Right. Like that is an obvious direct result of your actions. You did something to break trust. Like you overstepped a boundary. But if you are the one that is like, just if, if by keeping yourself healthy, keeping yourself safe, and keeping yourself sane, if that is what is. Is hurting the other person then that is not on you because your obligation is like your first obligation is to yourself and you can't love someone if you like you can't give someone the love that you want to if you are not taking care of yourself too and if by taking care of yourself that hurts the person that you're with then they are probably not the person you should be with
1: right and that's listen welcome to hold me I'm scared the relationship <laughs> experts um, <laughs> yes that's why we're are- both single <laughs> Right. Um, Single because we have good standards and we don't let people control us. So she said she didn't want to go to the police because of how others and the media portray things. She felt like saying something to the police would just sound like her complaining. And because we have this twisted view that it's just this. And she had this twisted view, especially from like people in her life saying that he's just this good guy who's heartbroken and he's showering her with gifts and attention and that's something that she should almost feel thankful for. You know, and that's it's just not true. Um, she finally did go to the police and she felt bad about it and she felt like the police would view it as just a waste of time. Um, the article is pretty unclear as to what took place to rectify the situation or how it ended but we do see that she was out of it for about two years before she even wrote the article. So the situation was taken care of. um, But she left a great piece of advice. She said, It's important to realize that stalking and harassment don't always look like the stranger following you home or hanging around outside your work. It can be someone that you once genuinely cared for, refusing to take no for an answer. And I think that is Mm -hmm. something vitally important to hear. It doesn't always look like how you think. Sometimes something that terrifying can look like somebody you trust and it can be somebody you love and care for or cared for, still care for. Like it don't be afraid to speak up when you're uncomfortable about something. Like to that person if you feel safe enough to authorities to friends family and a priest i don't know um talk about when someone is making you uncomfortable it's just a good thing to do
0: and like your no your boundaries and you saying no that always deserves to be listened to and you never have to feel bad about about that
1: no if that's a personal boundary for you no matter what it is if it's just you don't like talking on Thursdays because Thursday is a day where you really just like the chill. So you have to pull away from everybody. And even though people may have great plans on Thursday and they may really feel like they need you on Thursday, if you say no, that's okay. It's you, you got to take care of you first or else you can't take care of anybody else. And you shouldn't have to take care of anybody else either. But (laughs) so I- I mean, like,
0: I do think- that as a society we are moving in this kind of weird direction of like oh you you don't owe anything to anyone (laughs) which is like not true right like especially if you're close to someone and you're like in a loving relationship be it like a friendship a partnership a familial relationship that is like healthy you you do owe something to each other I think um but you know like we owe each other basic respect we owe each other care and consideration um and if we pledge to love someone then we owe our best effort to love them if we pledge to choose someone to be a part of our life then we make that choice every day um however in that same vein you owe it to yourself to be to keep yourself like, safe and sane, and if someone becomes a danger to you, or if someone is doing something that makes you uncomfortable, or if you need just to protect your space and your peace of mind, and you need time away from everyone, like, all of that is okay to ask for, and it should be respected, because, again, they owe you the respect of your boundaries, just like you owe it to them. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense, and I i mean i have nothing else to say i agree with that 100 percent um i have a lot of stories that i found were very short stories um so i have just two more that are pretty short and that put stocking in a different light that you might not expect it to look like so in new jersey i thought you only had
0: those two i thought you were done
1: (laughs) no i have like two little short ones um so in New Jersey, there was a house in Westfield, and many people believed it to be haunted. But that isn't what was the problem. Um, it had a watcher, and when Derek and Maria Bratis—I don't know how to say it—it's like broad, yeah, um uh, moved in with their kids in 2014, they got, and I. An, an unexpected and unwelcome surprise in their mailbox. There were letters that would arrive that talked about the job of the watcher and what they had and how it had been passed down from grandfather to father and now to the son. And here are some quotes from the letters. All the windows and doors allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. And a reference to the kids, it said... And now I watch you and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. I am pleased to know your names and now the name of the young blood you have brought to me. Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. I asked the Woods, the prior owners, to bring me young blood. As of October 2017, the family has since moved away and the house was on the market ready for new buyers. But the Watcher still remains unknown. (laughs) So that's scary. (laughs) Um,
0: That's creepy as fuck. (laughs)
1: Right. And it was like a $1.3 million house. So you don't expect to uh, get a really, really nice house with like six bedrooms and suddenly have a watcher who wants your children. Um, This came from an anonymous post from this site called Text From Last Night. Um, 25 people who confessed their terrifying stalker stories. Now, Bailey, you'll like this one, because it has, like, a twist ending. It says, "'I was walking home from the store, and I glanced behind me and saw what appeared to be a golden retriever. "'It was about 100 feet away, and I have terrible night vision. "'This was a residential neighborhood, so <coughs> I didn't think twice about it. "'After a few blocks, it was still following me, so I thought maybe it was lost. "'I turned around and called to it something generic like, "'Come here, fella!' at which point it froze, and it did that very distinctive, I'm a cat and you can't see me move. Frozen still, back arched and low to the ground as possible, I realized it was a mountain lion. So this whole time they're walking over to the grocery store, they're being stalked by a mountain lion? It was not a golden retriever. Um, yeah, which is pretty scary. But yeah, that is all that I have on being stalked. A couple different tastes from a couple different flavors.
0: Good job! What a what a interesting and wide ranging compilation you have created for us. Thank you. I didn't. I never thought about the perspective of being stalked by an animal.
1: I didn't either. And then when I saw it, I was like, "Yeah, that's a real thing."
0: Every time I hear about a mountain lion, I think of um, where the red fern grows. Did you have to mm. read that in school?
1: Yeah, um, I had to read that after my f- one of my first dogs I ever had died. And I didn't know anything about that book, so
0: okay. So I had to read it, and then they made us watch the movie, and then they made us fill out. And this was in fifth grade, and I was like sobbing in front of everyone. I was, I, it just like destroyed me. And then they made us fill out a survey, like a little worksheet, and it was like, which did you prefer, the book or the movie? And I, and I wrote like neither. Both of these things were terrible. I can't believe you would subject children to this.
1: <laughs> Poor Dan and Anne
0: I know Rip um, I know. Okay so Yes you have a story I have one story I did not do multiples I just have one story <clears throat> I Okay I'm I'm not doing a would you rather Because this one's like pretty serious And I I could not think of one that didn't feel Disrespectful Um So I'm not doing one. I'm sorry.
1: Okay. I mean, can you just give me like a random Would you rather than? I half expect you to be like, would you rather me ask this question or just get done with this?
0: (laughs) I know what I would rather. Um, Would you rather, okay, move back to Chicago with me or you spin a globe and you pick a random spot and you have to move there by yourself?
1: oh um seeing how i'd probably end up in the middle of the ocean or barren russia i guess i'll move back to chicago
0: well i have some news about your life circumstances <laughs> uh, I've, i have this globe right here and since you've decided not to go with that your one-way ticket is booked i will see you soon i am, and this is kind of a long one just heads up are we get surprised a, get a snack no i know shocking Um, It also made me very angry, also very shocking. Um, But this is a story of Lauren McCluskey. And my sources, there is a Dateline episode on Lauren called She Did Everything Right. It was uh, season 27, episode 37, released in April of 2020. Um, And they also made, like, a podcast version of the episode. They've been doing that with some of their recent episodes. And um, since so it's the Dateline podcast, and that episode is called Lauren's Promise, and it was released in February 2021. And then my other source was a... Mm.
1: Uh, you know... Oh,
0: you go. I'm
1: sorry. I was just going to say, I had that name, Lauren McCluskey, here's my problem with this name, is that I, I had to keep scrolling back to look for it every time I would search for a new story... And I had to paste it in my notes so that I could look and be like, is this name Lauren McCluskey? No, it's not Lauren McCluskey. Okay, so I can do this story. Because you knew I was doing it. It's a pretty yeah. famous...
0: Mine's like a pretty famous one. Um, and then my other source was a Salt Lake Tribune article, which was which chronicled the timeline of the Lauren McCluskey case. Um, and it's from the Salt Lake Tribune uh, website. Okay. So... Lauren McCluskey was a student at the University of Utah. Uh, They also like colloquially call it the U. Uh, So I don't think I called it that in my notes. But if I reference the U, I'm talking about the University of Utah. And she was a member of the graduating class of 2019. Uh, She grew up in Pullman, Washington, and was the daughter of two professors, Jill and Matthew McCluskey. From a young age, Lauren was very physically gifted and really active, and by the time she graduated high school, she had become an accomplished athlete and earned a ton of medals uh, for the hurdles and high jump. Her athletic accomplishments earned her a scholarship to the University of Utah and one reason why Lauren's parents were so excited for her to attend that school is that it was reportedly very safe. People who worked at the university actually, like, frequently would pitch the school to potential students and their parents by remarking on how safe Salt Lake City was. So, Lauren went off to college and her parents felt super secure uh, and she was really excited to start her future there and her roommate her freshman year that was like assigned from the school was a girl named Alex and they became fast friends and they would spend tons of time together, go out together, hang out at the dorm together and would even attend church together. Um so Alex is interviewed by Dateline and she says that Lauren was very social um but was also really dedicated to track she that was what her scholarship was in and uh to her schoolwork she said Lauren wasn't like particularly interested in dating uh despite being super social she was more interested in like hanging out with friends being an athlete doing well at school Um so in September of 2018 Uh, And and Alex and Lauren remained friends from their freshman year. So that brings us to September 2018, which was the beginning of their senior year. And Lauren and Alex went uh, to a bar downtown one night, and that's where Lauren met Sean Fields, who was working security at the bar. And as Lauren and Alex were leaving the bar, Sean spoke to Lauren and gave her his number. Later that night, um, or she gave him her number, sorry. Later that night, he texted her, and they made a plan to go on a date the following day. And Lauren was, like, texting her friends, telling them how excited she was. And um, the next day on their date, Sean told Lauren that he was a part-time computer science major at a local community college and that he was 28, which, you know, she was, like, 21 or 22 at the time. She was a senior in college, so... It was kind of a big age gap, but nothing, like, crazy, right? Um, So they continued to date, and after going out a few times, Lauren told her parents about him. Uh, And she was just, like, smitten. Like, just really liked this guy. Uh, And Lauren's mom... Uh, was interviewed said that Sean seemed very old-fashioned in that he paid a ton of attention to Lauren and he, like, took her on proper dinner dates. So it was not, like, Netflix and chill. Like, he took her out. Uh, would be nice. Um, yeah. But not with this dude. Anybody,
1: any takers. Um, I'm gay. Bailey will <laughs> take anybody who she...
0: <laughs>
1: she I, likes their I'm face. I'm gay.
0: Bailey will take anybody... <laughs> Um, Yeah, that's really my only standard at this point. Um, She kind of
1: prefers the woman at the moment. The the, the feminine energy. So, if you got that.
0: I really hate when you say things like that. Okay, Lauren's dad said that he knew that Lauren was in love and that he could hear it in her voice when she talked about Sean. So, it was, like, really serious, really fast. She just met this guy and just fell for him pretty much instantly. Within two weeks of meeting, Lauren and Sean were officially boyfriend and girlfriend. Quick.
1: Wow. Uh,
0: So Lauren was, like, super into the relationship, and she regularly gushed about Sean to her parents. Uh, But her friends at school, kind of, like, pretty early in the relationship, like, right around the time they became official, they started to get concerned with Lauren's behavior, and it also seemed like Sean was getting really possessive. So, like, Regardless of what she was doing, what she was in the middle of, Lauren would always drop it to answer texts and calls from Sean immediately. Um, there was one time, yeah, I that's a flag about, I, number one. <laughs> First of all, what what does he have to say that's that interesting? What does a man have to say that that that's that interesting? I'm just kidding. If you're a nice man, you can also date me. I'm Trying not to be so discriminatory. Um, I'm running out of time, so. There was a time when Lauren and her friends went back to the bar where Sean worked, and like, on her way in, he was like, hey, um, Lauren, don't forget to pick me up when my shift is over at 2 a.m., and do not fall asleep. And he, like, really emphasized, like, don't fall asleep. You need to be here to pick me up when my shift is over.
1: Okay, damn. It's like, okay,
0: dude. We just met. Yeah. Um He uh, started texting Lauren repeatedly, asking where she was and who she was with uh when she was with her friends, and like, even... Make her like send pictures of her friends to prove that that's who she was with. That's just like so icky. Don't do that to people. Red flag number yeah. two. Um, I think we're on like number five at this point. But um, yeah. so one of Lauren's friends <laughs> was a grad student named Diamond, and uh, she said that. Lauren was, like, she, like, confirmed. Lauren was always reporting to Sean about her whereabouts, sending in the pictures. And Diamond, who was, like, a bit older as a grad student, she tried to explain to Lauren. And Diamond was also, like, pretty experienced in dating. And she was, like, hey, like, I know this, that you're new to this, but this is not really what love is like. And, like, the way that he is, like, demanding this stuff of you is is concerning. Um, but Lauren brushed it off and was like, oh, he just really cares about me and he's super protective of me. No. Someone starts doing this and it's not because they are protective of you. They're no. not your, they're not your bodyguard, they're not your dad, they're your boyfriend. They don't, they don't need to be pulling this shit. Okay. Um... Another of Lauren's friends, Carmen, recalled to Dateline a time that Lauren had told her that she and Sean had a huge fight and he had gotten incredibly angry and stormed off. And Lauren blamed herself and said that she would change her behavior and make sure that she never had to see him that angry again. Ugh. Yeah. Um, And sidebar, keep in mind, this is all happening, like, within the first month of their relationship. (laughs) Right. Like, Like, this is, like... (sighs) instantly so and then simultaneously sean starts to enmesh himself more and more into lauren's life uh he starts staying at her dorm far more than he's staying at his own place which like get out of my house you don't need to be in my house more than you're in your house (laughs) um especially we've been dating for a month get out of my house
1: um yeah do you remember uh, when and a roommate of ours had a boyfriend that kept coming over oh my God. to our home over and over and over and we're like and can you like pick up a tab or something like pay a bill like I don't know it's too much
0: no he was there all the time we were so cramped in that place too there was not room for like a because th- we were like 24 I think when and um he was like 32 and he was I was like sir do you have a home <laughs> Go to your right, home. and he had
1: money. Like, go to your own home. <laughs> he, yeah, go to your big home. You
0: are rich. Go to your home. Um, maybe he didn't want his girlfriend in his house. But who would want to hang out with us all the time? <laughs> I <laughs> uh, don't know. Probably a lot of people. Anyway, so yeah, he was staying at her dorm all the time. And then he was, like, making friends with other students so that he could get in whenever he pleased. Because he was um, a student at a, at a different school. He was at the community college. So... And he wasn't, like, in her dorm building, so he had to make friends with other people in the building so they would let him in without a key card. Sneaky. Um, so that he could hang out at her place when she wasn't there. Also pretty freaking weird when you just started dating. Okay. Um, Lauren's friend said that she started to seem tired and depressed and worried. And then one day... Lauren tells her friends that Sean had told her that he wanted to give her a gun, that he just had. What? <laughs> we just made the same face. <laughs> a weird gift for like your month anniversary. <laughs> like,
1: um, so glad we've been dating and, for a month. Here's a gun.
0: And this, I just had this 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 whole thing. It was just lying around. <laughs> what? 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 Um, okay. And so it wasn't actually like illegal to have a gun on campus but it did have to remain concealed and therefore whoever was in possession of it had to have a concealed carry permit and it had to be a registered firearm uh but it didn't seem like sean had any intention of like getting lauren training to be to have a concealed carry license and it it seemed like he just wanted to give her a gun and uh diamond the grad student who was lauren's friend was also her ra and when Lauren mentioned this to her, she reported this to her boss uh, in housing and wrote an email as well, like being like, this is trying to bring guns into the, <laughs> into the dorms. <laughs> like, is, does anyone want to do anything about this? Um, and the Salt Lake Tribune reported that an additional friend also contacted the housing board. Uh, but Diamond said that housing officials responded by brushing her off and basically saying, oh, like, we'll have a meeting about it or we'll talk about it later. But they never did. The Salt Lake Tribune also noted that, according to an independent review, which we'll talk more about later, but it occurred after the events of this case, housing officials were aware uh, that people knew, uh, that people who knew Lauren McCloskey were specifically concerned that she could be hurt, uh, but their focus remained on whether a housing policy violation had occurred, and that was really their only concern. <laughs> So, the concerns of Lauren's friends were never escalated to campus police or to the campus behavioral team. So, it kind of seems to me like, okay, maybe if this isn't for the housing department, but you find out, like, this girl's new boyfriend's trying to bring guns into her dorm room, like, hey, maybe you pass that along? Seems a little sketchy. If multiple people are... Also, I thought you were going to
1: say the campus potato team. Why would I say that? And I was like, what's the campus potato team... I don't know. I just I would
0: have loved to have a campus potato team at school. Me too. Just get those fries fries, from the hub. Mm. Uh, we had like the okay, our community college where we met had like the best cafeteria. It was so good. did. (laughs) It had like it had absolutely no business being that good, and the French fries they were the campus potato team. Oh, oh, my God. Something. Yeah, I would
1: go there early sometimes just to, like, eat breakfast. I didn't even have to be at, like, s- I didn't have to be at my class, like, that early, but I would go there to eat this, like, delicious omelet or, like, the special that they had of the day. Ugh. It was...
0: Yes. Oh, and they had those avocado sandwiches. I've tried to recreate them, and I and never had could. had those
1: chicken tenders. <laughs> Ugh,
0: we're both vegetarians now, but those chicken tenders were...
1: Um, I'm a vegan, so...
0: All oh, right, Sorry. <laughs> I just want to give you the opportunity to remind everybody. I know how you love that. Um, so, okay. So by the end of September, and keep in mind, they started dating at the beginning of September. So this has all happened over the course of a month. So by the end of September, Lauren's friends were getting pretty freaked out about Sean, and some were even, like, legitimately afraid of him. He was a really, like, big, kind of physically imposing guy. I mean, like, he was a bouncer at a bar, so it's not like he could be <laughs> a wimp. Um, and the gun thing, like, him wanting to give Lauren a gun that he just had, that really put everyone on high alert. And they all, like, urged Lauren, like, do not take a gun from this guy. Like, first of all, it's illegal. And second of all, what the, the? – we hate him. Um, so at the beginning of October, Lauren, like, came across Sean's ID – well, kind of his ID. It has his picture, but the name on it was not Sean Fields, but Melvin Rowland.
1: Okay, first of all, why do you have two first names? Second of all... <laughs> why are they both bad? <laughs> yeah, why are they both bad?
0: Well, that's... I wish that it was just because he wanted a cooler name. Uh. So, Lauren being a smart girl, goes to the Google and just, like, looks up Melvin Rowland. And what she finds is horrifying. So he is, in fact, Melvin Rowland, and he's not 28, but 37.
1: That's a bit of a difference.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, 21, 22 to 28, like a gap but like you could still have some things in common you know i don't know that i would date someone who was 21 but but could i and like it wouldn't be that theoretically way, I guess. Like yes maybe yes okay 37 what 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 does a 37 year old have to like have to even discuss with a 21 year old that wasn't even the worst part of course not so he's Melvin Roland. He's 37. He's a registered sex offender who had been convicted of attempted forcible sexual abuse and enticing a minor over the internet.
1: See, now, look. You can date somebody with a large age gap, okay? This is not the problem here. As long as you are, like, 18 or above, date somebody who's 85, okay? We don't care. As long as it's safe. (laughs) But if they're, like, a registered sex offender... I
0: kind of care sometimes.
1: ...who... I, like,
0: these charge, It's not, like, public urination, right? Like, right. These are some pretty serious, creepy charges. Um. So, Lauren obviously freaked out, and she was determined to break up with him. So she immediately called her mom, who she was very close to. They talked, like, every day, and asked her for her advice on, like, how do I do it? And her mother was like, cut all ties with this man and never see him again. Good mom.
1: It's never that simple, mom.
0: So that night... uh. The night after she found everything, calls her mom. She's she decides, okay, I'm gonna end it. I'm gonna cut all ties with him. Well, she sees Melvin Roland staring through her window, just hanging out, staring at her. Through her dorm window or her s- home? Through like her 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 dorm rent window. Like uh. he's outside, just staring into her room. Uh, so she lets him in, and she confronts him with everything that she found and he told her so according to one of the friends that was interviewed by dateline he told her that it was all lies that he was framed it was a setup but she was like she insisted like no we we gotta break up (laughs) um and it's like kind of hazy what happens next so like kind of trigger warning for possible sexual assault I'm not exactly sure what happened. Um, So one of Lauren's friends told Dateline that that Melvin Roland would say, like, he's going to leave. And then she used the words like her quote is then force himself on her. But like in the context of what she was saying, because the whole sentence was like he would say he was going to leave, then force himself on her. But I'm not sure if that means like just physically like impose his presence on her. Or, or assault her. Uh, but the way it's reported seems to me like it's like the former, uh, but I'm not gonna put anything past this guy. Um, and also, like the Salt Lake Tribune article didn't mention anything about Lauren being sexually assaulted by, by Roland. So, um, but regardless of what happened, obviously she wanted him to leave and he didn't leave and <clears throat> he ended up staying the night. At Lauren's and he left the next morning in Lauren's car. And Lauren's friend said that basically she offered up her car as a way to be like, yeah, okay, sure, take take whatever you want, just like get out. If you need my car to get out, you yeah, gotta just take it. Not a smart
1: move, Lauren. Um,
0: well, eh, I mean like she was probably terrified. Like, you think about yeah. that. Like, the person that you've been with, you find out they're 10 years, almost 10 years older than they told you they were. Also, they're a convicted sex offender and, like, convicted for some scary, scary shit. This is, like, your first, like, real boyfriend. Like, you would be terrified. And honestly, like, I feel like a lot of us would say whatever we needed to say. She already tried it's to get him to leave. leave all night and he wouldn't leave. Yeah. So, I'm not going to blame her because it's, like, at that... at she must have been so scared and like so exhausted and just just like wanted this person out of her house and like you can't you can't blame her i think a lot of us would just say whatever we needed to say do whatever we needed to do to get to a a place of safety again so um so i'm going to be referring to melvin roland as roland i'm just using his last name because that's what i did in my notes okay so Roland told Lauren he was going to leave her car parked in a far off university parking lot, and Lauren, uh, like after he was done with it, he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna leave it in this parking lot. It was pretty far away from her dorm, um, and like kind of isolated." So Lauren told her mom Jill about this, and Jill decided, like, "That actually sounds pretty creepy. Like, why is he? Le- why isn't he returning her car to your dorm? Why is he leaving it in this like kind of like out of the way parking lot on campus?" Um, so Jill. Uh, called campus dispatch, and she told them the whole story about like the lies and the sexual assault convictions and like everything that Lauren had found out the night before. And now this guy seems to like maybe be trying to lure her to this car. Um, so, campus dispatch, they're like, Oh, well, we have to talk to Lauren. So, they reached out to her, and she requested a security escort to accompany her to retrieve her car. Uh, later, so the same independent review team that I mentioned earlier would find that university police did not learn until after the fact that Lauren and her mother had felt that Lauren was in danger because the security escort that took her to her car was not entered into the same record management system that the campus police use. So basically like the security escort they like they were informed of like why they were driving Lauren to her car but campus police was not a part of the database that Campus dispatched used um, to communicate with the security escort. So, like, they didn't know.
1: (coughs) That's weird.
0: Yeah. Doesn't seem to make a whole lot of fucking sense to me. Um, So, anyway, regardless, uh, Lauren gets her car safely. She She goes with the security escort, she retrieved her car safely, and her parents feel, like, reassured. Like, oh, okay, like... She's got her car back. Um, there's someone looking out for her. We've reported it, right? We've reported this weird stuff going on. So, like, you know, and the camp is really safe. But obviously, it's, it's not going to be over. So on October 11th or 12th, I'm not sure exact of the exact day um, based on my research, but Lauren started to receive flurries of texts from numbers that she did not recognize from a person or persons who claimed to be friends of Roland's. They progressively, like, throughout the day, told her this story as if it were happening in real time. So first, they're notifying her that Roland was in a car accident and that he was at the hospital and then that he had died. Um, so Lauren checked Melvin Roland's so- social media and saw that he had recently posted. So she was like, all right, he's not dead. He's, he's updating his Facebook status. <laughs> um... So, real sneaky, dude. Um, Then she received a text that said, will you come to funeral? And she responded, I know he's still alive. Please don't text this number. I got police involved. And she, she did. On October 12th, which is either the day of all of these texts or the day after, Lauren contacted campus police for the first time. She told campus police uh that she believed that the texts were from melvin roland's friends and that they were trying to lure her out of her apartment and like a little sidebar so roland was uh prohibited from using social media as a part of his parole so he was actually breaking the law when he was posting on on facebook and she like mentioned this to campus the campus police and like I, I don't know. I guess they didn't feel like following up on, like, that. Uh, they didn't catch that that would, might be a parole violation. Like, I don't know if she knew it was a parole violation, but she mentioned, like, hey, like, this is a situation with this guy. I know he's alive. He's been posting on social media. Like, I would imagine she would have said all of this. Like, she would have to explain why she feels like someone's trying to lure her out of her apartment. So I guess the cops never thought, like, maybe we should check on into this guy and see, like, what's up with him. Um, but the campus cops... Uh, being so helpful, as cops often are, told her that there wasn't really anything they could do because the texts weren't threatening violence and a call back if the situation escalated.
1: Yeah, I'll call you on a being stabbed, thanks.
0: A lot of times, like, a lot of times police basically say that. Like yeah. Call us when and you're in so
1: fewer words, yes.
0: Um, so she called back the next day, and she told the police that she had continued to be harassed by people that she believed to be Roland and or his friends. She had also received an email that said that explicit photos taken of her and of her with Roland during their relationship would be posted online unless she sent $1,000 to an account, which she did. She did? Um, oh, no. She Yeah, she was just so scared. I mean, like, (laughs) she was, like, pretty inexperienced. She was just, like, so freaked out. I mean, I get it. Yeah, and look, Lauren,
1: I've made some very questionable choices, too, okay? Some that parallel yours, it seems.
0: (laughs) Thinking about everything that she's been through at this point, it's like, I'm definitely not going to blame her. Like, she's in survival mode. She's doing what she needs to do to try to feel safe, so... That's not on her. That's on the people that are extorting her for $1,000 with revenge porn. Um, and I say people. It was Melvin Roland. It's it's obviously this dude. Okay. who? Why, how would he have friends? Um, she also went to the campus police station to file a report in person. And also, like, my, we were talking about my fucking neighbor playing music all the time super loud earlier. It has just started again. So if you can hear it in the background, I'm sorry. sorry. And... Can't copyright us. It's not our fault. And I have to live in this hell, so at least you don't. Okay. So she also went to the police station to file a report in person. And campus police initially just believed, like, oh, both of you guys are extortion victims. Like I'm sure they're also like reaching out to him with these photos and making the same threats. Whoever's doing this. Like <laughs> <I'm> an idiot. <laughs>
1: caught up, police are stupid. And
0: Lauren was, like, almost certain, like, no, this is him, but whatever. And she also told campus police about the time that she caught him, like, staring at her through her window. Um, She was like, no, like, this dude is creepy. Here's everything that we've been through. He has stalked me outside of my apartment. This has been going, like... Uh... Lauren shared the photos with the campus police like these are the photos that he's threatening to post to me so that you can see like this is like extortion he's threatening it's real Um, and they promised an update within three days she also called Salt Lake City police in an attempt to kind of like speed up results but they just referred her back to the campus police so she continued following up with police even exchanging 16 texts and calls with an officer Michael Daris Uh, who was assigned to her, but she, oh, sorry, Miguel Daris, um, who was assigned to her, but she didn't receive an update. Uh, So all the while, Lauren continued getting harassing messages from who she believed to be Melvin Rowland. And then here's a fun little thing that happened. On an unknown date between October 14th and October 22nd, Showing another campus police officer's phone, Officer Darris displayed at least one of the intimate, explicit images of Lauren McCluskey that she had shared with the police for the investigation. Uh, The university said that it was unaware of the display uh, until the independent review was filed after the case and the Salt Lake Tribune inquired about it. Um, But another officer told the Tribune... The Officer Darius bragged about being able to look at the image whenever he wanted. Ew, so he, uh, he shared at least one explicit photo of Lauren with officers that were not a part of her case. And then bragged about how he gets to look at it whenever he wants. Because it's evidence. Yeah. So fuck that guy. Um, yeah, for real. And... Yeah, a state investigation into the incident was launched after the Salt Lake City Tribune reported on that, and it was confirmed that this did happen. That he did show this picture to uh, officers who were not a part of it, and that he did brag about being able to look at it whenever he wanted. Gross, disgusting piece of shit. Uh, so that's just a little sidebar about what happened to the evidence that Lauren provided with the pl- to the police. Okay. So shortly after. Say
1: sidebar one more time.
0: <laughs> so sh-
1: I'm going to bring you to a sidebar.
0: <laughs> Bailey, sidebar. Stop saying sidebar. Um, <laughs> so shortly after uh, Lauren filed her police report uh, about the extortion, she got a text that said, What did you tell the cops? We know everything. So she reached out to the Salt Lake City police once again because she still hadn't gotten an update on her case from campus police, but they told her it needed to be handled by campus police, and they couldn't help her. Lauren finally managed to get a hold of the detective in charge of her case with campus police, whose name was Kayla Daloff. And the detective just said, "Like, oh, this is just a scam. It's nothing to worry about.
1: Helpful as always. Yes.
0: So, between October 19th and October 22nd, security video at the campus shows Roland at various campus locations. It's like pretty apparent that he's looking for Lauren. Um, over the weekend, Lauren sends three... Uh, Lauren sends three screenshots to campus police showing Melvin Rowland's criminal history and his offender details. Like, he is on parole for these crimes. This guy is dangerous. Help me. Uh, in my, uh, I mean, like, that's me editorializing, but that, that would is what I would imagine the point to be. Um, on Monday, October 22nd, a text from a spoofed number. Claiming to be a campus cop, texted Lauren asking her to meet him. Lauren reported this to the campus police, who told her just to ignore the text, rather than, like, I don't know, investigating whether this was the abusive boyfriend that she told them about, who had a criminal record and was actively on parole and was committing the crime of impersonating a police officer.
1: (laughs) Okay. I know, like, come on, you're being handed... Handed literally like so much so evidence, and you're just he like, has, woo, woo, woo. like
0: broken his parole by posting on social media. Um, and he's broken the law by impersonating a police officer. So, like, even if they didn't believe her, you y'all don't want to check on that, <laughs> like,
1: right? And what I don't get is like the Salt Lake police department is like, oh, we can't do anything,
0: yeah. I don't know.
1: Hello, you're the police of the city,
0: whatever. She, a cab. keep yeah. going. uh so just like a trigger warning this is gonna involve some violence and it's not fun and i'm sorry um so that evening on uh, the evening of october 27th uh or october 22nd sorry lauren was on the phone with her mother and she was sounding relatively positive actually she was discussing that she was going to finish up some homework um and she was approaching her dorm then she screamed no 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 and the phone fell to the ground uh melvin Rowland had been waiting for her near her dorm and he grabbed her which caused her to drop her belongings so jill tried to call her daughter back but the calls went unanswered lauren's father matt called campus place and told them what had just happened on the phone between jill and her daughter Lauren, and ten minutes later, the police arrived at the dorm and found Lauren's belongings in the parking lot. They called more police and a search of Lauren's dorm room, the parking lot, and nearby areas was conducted. At 9.55pm during the search, Lauren McCluskey's body was found in the backseat of a car that Melvin Roland had driven to the campus. He had shot her multiple times. (gasps) No. Yeah. Ugh. An alert went out that a student was killed on campus and the school was locked down. All of Lauren's friends say that they knew instantly that it was, that it was Lauren and that Melvin Rowland had killed her. Um, so police launched a manhunt for Melvin Rowland and eventually came to a church. They found him inside and he was dead by suicide. It was only minutes after Lauren's murder that campus police had found out that Melvin Rowland had been a parolee. Had they come across the information sooner, he could have been pulled off of campus and put in custody for a number of offenses prior to Lauren's murder, like having a gun or a social media account. It would have taken one phone call. Uh, Apparently, checking parole status wasn't a part of campus police protocol at the time. Uh, Three days after Lauren's murder at a news conference, campus police chief Dale Brophy defended the actions, or rather lack thereof, of his force the University of Utah commissioned an independent review. This is the review that I've been referencing throughout the report of the case. Um, Two months after the murder, the review concluded that there were shortcomings both systemically and individually that contributed to Lauren's death and had 30 recommendations for change, including the fact that campus police were understaffed and poorly trained. University President Ruth Watkins then said, quote the report does not offer any reason to believe that this tragedy could have been prevented end quote
1: okay like idiot bitch,
0: did you did you even like glance at it <laughs>
1: like, right did you even like i don't know read the first paragraph like i don't this couldn't have been prevented there's
0: no evidence showing
1: this could have been prevented well, there's a lot of evidence showing that you're a dick I don't know. yeah
0: fuck you uh, okay um so now I'm going to go into this, like, kind of the aftermath. So despite a stubborn faculty in campus police, Lauren's death sparked outrage, protests, and eventual change. Uh, the university police <laughs> chief retired in October of 2019. Other officers were fired. Ruth Watkins retired, and that was the bitch president who said that there was no reason to believe it could have been prevented. So she retired. In, she was fired. She retired in spring of this year. Oh. She stepped down from her position in spring of, of this year of 2021, and has admitted that Lauren's death was a factor in her resignation. Uh, the university says that it has implemented the reviews and recommendations and has appointed a chief safety officer and hired specialized employees like social workers to help deal with relationship violence on campus. In October 2020, the university settled a lawsuit brought by Lauren's parents and agreed to pay them $10.5 million. That is when Ruth Watkins finally acknowledged that the university had, in fact, failed Lauren and her family. The settlement also included that the university would pay $3 million to the Lauren McCluskey Foundation, which focuses on improving campus safety throughout the United States. The McCluskeys have pledged their settlement money to the foundation as well. Uh, The foundation champions a pledge called Lauren's Promise, which states simply, I will listen and believe you as someone is threatening you. Professors at over 100 campuses so far have included this promise in their syllabi. It's so sad.
1: That is so awful that that's what it takes for sometimes change, positive change to happen.
0: Yeah, and like, that, I mean she she tried so hard <laughs> to like get help and her friends tried so, like she, this was someone who was really loved and who like a- even was like a self-advocate like uh, and just like the people who had the ability and the power to help her just like didn't didn't straight up didn't. <laughs> um, so Lauren's parents miss her dearly and um, they say the best they can do now is to honor her memory. And she is very fondly remembered by her family and her friends. Ugh, I know it's so sad. Well,
1: <laughs> fuck everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> the campus, police and anybody who didn't listen to Lauren. Yeah, God, they're probably just like, oh, young love. Yeah.
0: Well, I also think there—it's like this. There is this intersection too of like women and like young women not being believed.
1: Oh, for sure, a very common theme. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just horrible and it like it I think what like really sticks with me about this case is that it clearly could have been avoided. <laughs> like clearly
1: multiple there times. There were so
0: many opportunities for this not to happen. And like she was just she was just failed. Like they've so many people And I'm not talking about her family and friends. I'm talking about, like, the people in positions of authority, like, just failed her. And, like, in the interviews, it's just so clear. Like, her parents, like, oh, her dad says, like, he won the kid lottery. Like, he loved, he just, they just love their daughter. And I just know they miss her so much. And her friends, like, the way that they talk about her You can just tell that this was someone who was, like, so loved and so missed. And, like, it just didn't have to happen.
1: (laughs) Right. Like, uh, Lauren, I'm sorry that you had to pay the price just so that some people could have basic safety at college. Yeah.
0: And, like, yeah. (sighs) It's just, like, i it's hard with cases like this because you do want to, like, end it on a happy note and talk about, like, positive change that has occurred. But I... Don't agree with the idea that someone should have to be sacrificed for positive change to occur.
1: No, and that is once again a very prevalent thing in our society, and and not even just ours. It seems like a whole bunch of others. And
0: oh my gosh, she's listening. I mean, this bitch has been listening to Olivia Rodrigo's album on nonstop repeat.
1: Girl's gone through it. No,
0: she has a boyfriend. They have mediocre sex once a week. I hear her fake it very, like, unconvincingly for two minutes, and then he always asks, you good? After. So I think she's, like, happy.
1: He asks, you good? Mm. (laughs) I mean, besides Lauren and all my stalker stories, I don't know about you. That's scary. Just, you good? You good.
0: So I, like, tweeted about that, and someone was like, if he has to ask, she's not. Um, But yes, I do just want to repeat the resources that are available for people who may be experiencing stalking. Um, The National Sexual Assault Hotline at 800-656-HOPE the network-slash-love-red LGBTQ hotline at 800-832-1901, the Love is Respect hotline, which is for teens and young adults, at 1-866-331-9474, <coughs> and stalkingawareness.org, which is Sparks' website. Um, and there are also additional resources to be found there. Um, I do think we... like. I I just want to say... You deserve to feel safe and you deserve to feel heard no matter who you are or what you've done n- even if you've made decisions that like you feel bad about or guilty about or you've made decisions that you don't feel were smart n- no one deserves to have their safety threatened no one deserves to be hurt and if someone loves you they will respect you when you say no and they will respect your autonomy and your space and your body and if you are not being respected and if you are not in a place where you can feel safe, like you have every right to leave that situation and to be loud until you are receive the help that you deserve.
1: Right. Mm. But, uh,
0: yes. <laughs>
1: and uh, look, I, we can always bring up a little bit of levity to the situation with this. Hey, don't forget, Bailey and I have an email that you can send us stories at HMISpod at gmail.com where we would love for you to send us some spooky stories. Doesn't have to be about stalking, can be about literally anything, anything scary that you want us to um, just read to ourselves. Or if you'd like it um, you'd like us to like share it on the podcast. We would love, love, love to do that. And you can always find us at hmispod on any other social media thing like facebook or instagram so i'm thinking like what have i even made us to tiktok i don't know Uh, where we shared snippets of our podcast yes
0: and uh but yes we're sorry for being a bit inconsistent uh with our posting you know life is unpredictable and unfortunately if charles doesn't have a voice he doesn't have a voice and i can't do this without him uh so um but we plan to be you know really consistent and continue bringing you more stories more topics and hopefully your stories and some topics that you guys suggest in the future because there is a lot of shit to talk about because after all it is a scary world out there so hold
1: on to the people you love Hi. <laughs> oh, goodbye <laughs> no.